0: listening to the construction talk podcast brought to you by Causeway Technologies tune in to hear from the industry leaders pushing construction forward
1: Hi, I'm Peter Haddock, and welcome to another edition of Construction Talk. And today we're talking about skills, not just skills now, folks, but skills into the future. And I'm delighted that Marcus Bennett, Head of Analysis and Forecasting at the CITB Construction Industry Training Board, folks, is joining me today to talk about something that's recently been published, the skills construction needs 2023 to 2027. That's a big five-year ask there, Marcus, isn't it? Tell me a little bit about yourself first, and then let's talk about skills and the vision we have in the report and beyond.
0: Peter, thank you for asking me. on. So my role is about understanding the circumstances of the construction industry and in particular its skills needs now, looking forward into the future, that's the forecasting bit, and the analysis is understanding the gaps, the opportunities, what construction might be able to do, and in particular around skills, capabilities that the industry needs to adapt and develop for the future.
1: Now, Marcus, there's been a lot of headlines written about this report because there's some big numbers and there's some big vision that is incorporated in the thinking and the analysis. We're in a period now where there's certain uncertainty still in the industry as well, but we know from the report that we've got a really big future ahead and we've got a huge skills issue to tackle and challenge, but a huge excitement that goes with it. So tell us a little bit about the headlines of the report report before we get into the nitty-gritty?
0: So I think it's worth having some context and a lot of people fail to understand this. The the headline number that we report, we refer to it as the additional annual recruitment requirement and what it says is over the next five years the construction industry needs to recruit an additional 225,000 people. And that's if it's to meet the demand for construction that we can see ahead. And the reason I say there's context is if anyone listens to the news, if anyone's looking at their circumstances at the moment, they'll appreciate how tough the economy is, how tough things are for the vast majority of the population. And if you're working in construction, at the moment you're being faced with wage inflation, uh, uncertainty in terms of contracts, people are reluctant to make commitments to the future. Interest rates are sky high. So the cost of borrowing, there are so many pressures on the construction industry and small construction firms at the moment. I can appreciate that some people think it's a bit unlikely that we're saying there's this big gap, but you only need to look around and say, well, how difficult is it to get anyone to do a job on your house? There are a million vacancies at the moment in the UK economy. There aren't enough people to fill the vacancies. And for a long time, construction has struggled to get enough people. We keep resorting to we need to attract more people in. We absolutely need to do that. But we need to think about other things as well. And the forecasting bit that I spoke about, we know those big infrastructure projects, they take years to plan. They're huge in terms of investment. Things like high speed, two are going to be going on for a long time. Size well is hopefully not too far around the corner. And if you think about some of the challenges that the built environment is facing, in particular from the impact of climate change, we can see that in the long term, there's going to need to be very significant investment in infrastructure. And that's about managing better the built environment, ensuring that what we build is more considerate to the environment. But also we've got to think about rising sea levels, different water management, the way we live and work. Uh, There's a huge amount to be done. In addition, We've got to retrofit 29 million buildings in the UK. So I've described, and I saw this in a, a report presented to government recently, um, just tackling the net zero challenge is the biggest construction project this century, if not this millennium. No one's going to have any shortage of work in the future. That's not the problem. The problem is tackling the economic circumstances, the shortage of workers, how we adapt to a changing and very interesting future
1: and i think you're right there one of the things that we're looking at at the moment in the industry is how that we actually make it more attractive to join but also the certain challenges of we finally got this digitalization thing and we're adopting digital technologies and solutions and things like that uh, that allow us to do the job better and also allow us to you know, get to that net carbon target that we've got. And, you know, National Highways and HS2, big projects that are helping with the vision of that on a long-term basis. The fundamentals are when you've got a lot of jobs, where are those people going to come from? And how can we attract them in a better way uh, than just, kind of falling into construction, which a lot of people I meet say, oh, I just, I didn't want to come into construction. I just fell into it and I loved it.
0: I don't know. I've met many people that have just fallen into it. And I'm sure that there are plenty of those. My assertion would be number one, construction is critical, not just for where we live, but actually every aspect of the future. So if anyone doesn't appreciate how significant the construction industry is to the whole of the economy, to society, to us individually, then they need to think about where do the hospitals come from? Where do the schools come from? How do we have better houses for people to live in to have better accommodation? So construction is critical and we shouldn't underestimate its status and importance for all of us. I think there's another point that people maybe sometimes think that construction is a dirty job out in all weather. But that's not true. There's something for everyone in construction. Uh, there are definitely those tough jobs that need to be done. I was going to tell you my very first experience of construction was as a teenager helping my uncle who's a steel fixer. I reckon that's one of the toughest, most challenging jobs there is, but it's also critical. Because if you look at any tower, anything that's going up on the edge of a town, a steel fixer was there at some point, that's the sort of basis for everything else that follows. I think we need to understand that. But also what comes with that are those perceptions of the industry being quite old fashioned, that often it is dirty, that it's hard work, that's changing, people's perceptions need to change. But there are a lot of big attitudinal and cultural challenges that we need to overcome as well. So the thing for the construction industry is in terms of where we get those 225,000 people from, the reality is they don't exist. We we need to be better at attracting them in. We need to attract into the industry people that wouldn't normally have thought it was a place for them. Uh, But we also need to find gains in other ways. And in particular, that's through productivity. So what is it? that will enable us all to achieve more with the same number of people. Uh, You mentioned digitalization. I think that's one of the things that we all recognize. It's not just about investing in amazing technology. It's not about flying robots. Uh, And actually, I noticed one of your previous interviewees was Chris Grant from Construction Leadership up in Scotland. The reason he's doing what he's doing with Saffron and the others is the product of a piece of analysis that we did. So we published a report a few years ago called Unlocking Construction's Digital Future. It identified clearly the opportunities that exist to small businesses and large businesses, but it's about digitalizing your processes and the way you do things. It's how do you eliminate all those little wasteful gaps between one person handing over to the next? How do you fix the productivity gains? There's a big opportunity there. It's a difficult one to grasp and I think people are still struggling, but that's one thing. And what that also does is it presents an industry that's modern, interesting, it's in Increasing the diversity of jobs. I've spoken with tier one employers that say they need mathematicians and programmers as much as anything. We need to get those people in rather than them going elsewhere. I think another challenge is actually there's a lot of people missing from the construction industry. So we also published a piece of analysis about a year ago called Rethinking Recruitment, and it identifies that for a lot of roles, particularly skilled site based technical roles, the diversity is really poor. So When less than 2% of your working population is women, you've got to kind of say, why is half the population missing from those jobs? There's no jobs in construction that a woman can't do as well as a man. I'm sure some people will disagree with me. They're wrong. I certainly Uh, won't. If you have an environment that isn't suitable for those people, then you're not going to attract them in. So I think we've got to think about not only do you explain to people the fabulous diversity of opportunities in construction you have got to change in many places the work environment to make it one that is a 21st century work environment not a 19th century one Um, that's about being inclusive about creating facilities that are right for everyone it's about courtesy there's a whole load of skills that we need everyone in the industry to have they're often there in abundance now Uh, it's about communication skills. It's about risk management. It's about working effectively together. We need that more consistently to be applied from the top across the whole piece.
1: And I think that's very interesting because another guest on Construction Talk was Nicola Bird of Excel Training Facility, which looks like a five star hotel when you go in there. The, the, the facilities are fantastic. They've got plant training, construction training there, and they've built it from the ground up for the people uh, to come into and feel that they're part of something. Murals on the walls. It's just cool. It's got a nice cafe, you know. And we're so used to seeing people going, well, you know, I, I learned how to do something in a, in a porter cabin or stuff you know, decades ago now we've got to have these facilities that are available that that can house the technologies that can house the the people and the excitement and I think that comes on to the funding element which the CITB has a lot of involvement in I mean you've invested almost 50 million pounds of levy support Uh, Over 22,000 apprentices directly trained or over 2,900 new recruits through the second phase of the Construction Skills Fund. Tell me a little bit about the importance of how you as an organisation work and enable the things uh, that we've got to tackle in these challenges. Well, our purpose is to support the construction
0: industry, have that skilled, competent, inclusive workforce that it needs now and the future, and I, I think that often creates Very often when I go out and speak with people, employers and those that represent employers, uh, what's critical for them is I need the skills to do the job now. We've already identified that you can't get enough people. And um, it's sort of almost a cliche now that people say, well, I need more bricklayers. That's absolutely right. But we also need to think about the future. So what CITB is doing is, well, there is grant support for a whole load of training initiatives, we're particularly active in the space of apprenticeships and encouraging people to apprenticeships. Sorry, I keep name checking bits of work that come from my team, but we recently just published a report on apprenticeships as well. The reason I mention that is consistently when you talk to employers, it's kind of the gold standard of what they want. I think too often people have this perception that other routes into the industry They give employers a little bit of what they want, but not everything. Whereas an an apprentice, it's on the job training. You get time in college. You build up some of those other skills. I think there's opportunities for those training routes as well as others to improve. But CITB is supporting that. We've put in place an apprenticeship task force because we recognize the significance of how do we ensure that more people that start an apprenticeship complete it? How do we uh, get more people in? So I think at the moment, something like 45% of employers, uh, maybe a bit more, say that they will offer an apprenticeship. Only 21% are. Uh, That's all tied in with the challenge about how do we attract people in. But as an industry, CITB and others need to support employers uh, and the training providers to make sure that those apprenticeship routes are effectively working. We then need to keep people. uh, There are lots of opportunities there. And it's about making it an attractive place to work, whatever attractive means for the individual.
1: And I think what's interesting about construction is, you know, we have the ability to have a a mobile workforce, but also we need to pull from everywhere in the UK. So one of the things that struck out in the report for me is is the £800,000 invested in the launch of the new employer network pilot project, because, you know, that really does say, how are we going to deliver these things? Where are the real shortages? And how can we bring bring people in from all across the UK, but have the right facilities and the right pathways, if uh, that's the right word. I think the point there is that what we've recognised is very often we spread
0: ourselves quite thin. Very often what happens is we provide access to training through the provision of grant that supports it, that encourages people to do the things that are important. But what we've discovered is that the local training groups, the training networks, are really capable in terms of they know the local circumstances they know the local employers they know what the needs are locally so CITB is thinking about what can we do to ensure that we support those organizations more effectively that they become the provision of better capability within the workplace so I think we're just thinking a bit differently about how we can support employers through the local networks and that way um, hopefully everyone gets a little bit more of what they need you get more positive output for the investment in
1: so yeah coming back to this whole network so the construction skills network report the the skills needs now you've mentioned that everyone's like well we need these now we need these people now we we've got to have everybody that's trained up and you know there's a skill shortage but where are you looking at in your analysis of the market as to the new types of roles, the new types of things that are coming out and the other areas in which we have to look at investing now if we are going to have in five years' time the right skilled workforce, not to mention, you know, upskilling existing people in the the main part of the industry right now so we don't lose them. So I suspect with some people this opinion might be a little bit contentious. I'm not sure
0: there are that many new jobs one of the things that I keep hearing from uh, government in particular is this phrase new green jobs and the reality is for the construction industry that it's all the existing jobs they are the green jobs all of us need to a bit of a change in our mindset to recognize there's a challenging future for all of us but that also presents gigantic opportunities so You know, the reason I talk about the 29 buildings is because, yet again, name checking my team, we produced a report a couple of years ago called Building Skills for Net Zero. It recognised that 40% plus of emissions come from the built environment. Um, The opportunities for the future are not about creating different jobs. I don't believe that there's a whole swathe of new different things that are going to replace what we have now. The reality is What we need to do is hold on to the great capabilities we've already got in the existing workforce. We probably need to add some new capabilities to those people. And we need to ensure that training programs, whether that's T levels or through FE or apprenticeships in the future, equip people with the things that we need in the future. So that's everyone is going to have to have some green literacy. It will result in some new jobs. So if I talk about the net zero challenge in particular, um, one of the jobs that we've identified as being critical is the uh, retrofit coordinator. So CITB is investing in that. If if anyone's interested in being a retrofit coordinator, I think about half of the cost of the training will be funded by CITB. And that's because we need people to go in and understand the needs of an individual building. In the past, I think people have tried to do work on homes without the required skill and then they've put in place solutions that actually cause more problems than were there in the first place like damp it's just this broader range of skills that people need in order to do their jobs i think then there are those things about what are the additional capabilities people need to have to improve productivity that's about adopting digital skills it's about understanding where your activity fits in a sequence with other people. It's about working effectively with other people. It's possibly about reading instructions in charts on a device rather than a piece of paper. And Chris Grant, who I mentioned before, I think I was with him quite a while ago now, but he said there's still this routine that design is taking place digitally, the engineering is taking place digitally, and then someone prints out a piece of paper. So on site, you're still trying to work in the worst possible environment to have a bit of paper in the rain it should all be digitalized. And I think that's where there's the opportunity that we're still struggling to get. What drives all of that is that attitudinal and cultural change that you need to make it a place that you know, my children would want to work, that your children would want to work. And that sort of links into those changes in society that when I was growing up a few too many years ago, there weren't many career opportunities. I probably did have the opportunity to go into construction, but there are so many other sectors and opportunities now. Attracting people into construction becomes all the tougher and people need to think kind of quite hard about what is it I do to make my business a place that somebody else's daughter would want to work and feel like it's a safe place when they're going to progress
1: yeah and i think what's interesting about that is the the so, sorts of conversations that we've got to have as an industry and the fact that we're bringing things like construction now into gcse level so we're touching people at an earlier stage of their potential career and their pathways as to where they're going to go in the future and i think you know part and parcel of of understanding how that works is is also having something where you can learn what the construction industry is all about now we used to have a lot of opportunities where digger drivers for example used to go and with their parents on a saturday and you know go and sit on the digger and things like that obviously we've got health and safety issues and all sorts of things and problems like that so we need the kind of now facilities don't we to enable these challenges to overcome so we can bring people into colleges and you've obviously got the CITB National Centre as well, haven't you? What role is that going to play in helping to drive the skills to meet these construction needs? And also, how do you as an organisation going to work with other organisations and training schools?
0: Can give you an example actually. So, Graham, the head of the college, has got a really ambitious plan that I endorse completely. And it's about the National Construction College becoming a beacon, a center of innovation, can work with other providers that can develop the routes to training, the routes to competence that people have that others might be reluctant to invest in because it's a future need rather than an existing need, and work with others to see how we change. And I can give you a, a real tangible example of this. But again, name checking my team, we did a piece of analysis some years ago where we looked at the capabilities around using immersive learning. So that's virtual reality and augmented reality We've demonstrated through projects that that can make a real difference in terms of the way you can train people. You can do high risk things uh, that are difficult on site and repeat them over and over again in a risk free environment. It makes the industry look more attractive. And if you get the chance to go to the National Construction College, as I did just before Christmas, we've got a whole suite of these amazing virtual reality plant operative training machines. So you can do hours and hours and hours on the tower crane, on the dumper, on the JCB to build up your experience before you're going. All sorts of positive things there in terms of the way it changes perception of industry. But I think what we're seeing and the college is seeing in particular is this opportunity to change the way we do things and be this innovation centre for the future.
1: Marcus, you're Head of Analysis and Forecasting. What are the one or two things that really stand out for you that we're going to look at and be aware of as we move forward from this 2023 to 2027 construction skills needs? Um, I think if I were to say three things, one is we need to
0: keep working really hard to attract people into the industry. Uh, It's a great place to work. There's something for everyone. The second one is we recognize the challenges. So as an industry, we have got to work out how and where we find productivity gains. That's about getting it right first time all the time. It's about adopting technology. And the other thing is we've got to make it a place that absolutely everyone can work. And if nearly half the population are missing from most roles, we've got to think seriously about what it is that prevents those people Thinking that construction is a place for them. And sometimes that's about making simple changes, flexible employment, create an environment that people want to work in, treat people like humans, give them the flexibility, recognise that you're not competing just with the builder down the road, you're competing with every other sector.
1: And that's a great point, yeah, Marcus, and fantastic to end on. We are competing. We are a fantastic industry, got a lot to give people, and everything we build is different, maybe, because it's yeah. built somewhere else in a different environment, and everybody actually utilises the things, whether it's sewers undergrounds, whether it's buildings, roads that we create. It's a fantastic industry, isn't it, Marcus? Uh, I think
0: anyone that works in construction and thinks it's a dirty industry, look at the Elizabeth line. Look at the shard. Look at St. Pancras Station. Look at the stuff that goes on all over the country. And, you know, it's amazing, isn't it?
1: It certainly is, Marcus, and thank you so much for joining me on another edition of Construction Talk podcast. And it's been fascinating to see how many jobs and opportunities there are right now in the construction industry. But the forecast for those hundreds of thousands of jobs in the future really does put us in good stead and supported, of course, by the CITB and your colleagues. Great to have you on Construction Talk, and no doubt we'll talk again in the future. Cheers. Thank you, Peter.
0: for tuning in to construction talk if you loved this episode discover more over at causeway.com forward slash construction talk don't forget to subscribe and share see you next time